You know, if you're a person that has uh, some close friends, I hope you realize that if you're one of those people that you're truly blessed. What a blessing to have close friends. And you know, uh, I've heard people talk about, well, you know, I met old Bob or I met Jane and we were just fast friends. I don't always disbelieve that, but what I can tell you after a life of experience is that relationships and building relationships takes time. There's a common denominator in what I've found in my life, and what that common denominator is, it is time. Because it takes time to invest in other people's lives and to allow them to invest in your life. Because that's what really fosters a real and a deep relationship. Well, and, and relationship is, is what we're going to be talking about today. So um, we have been in this series of From Scars to Freedom for several weeks now. This is actually week number six. This is our final week. And what we're going to be talking about today is fellowship. Um, the, those relationships put in a Christian context is called fellowship. So we've covered grasping grace. We've covered worthy worship, powerful prayer, selflessly serving stimulating study, and now we're doing Finding Fellowship. And I encourage you, if you missed any of those messages, we have the, the podcast available for download for you to listen to. We also have them on our YouTube and Facebook page. We encourage you to go and do that because this is not just a, another message about fellowship. Yay, it's on the name of our sign out there. Yay, fellowship. I've kind of heard this a million different times. So what we're trying to do is trying to kind of bring it to the forefront and to answer this question. I know about fellowship, that's great, so what? What does that mean for me? How does what you're talking about today lead to spiritual freedom? And so when we talk about fellowship, this is not something new to this pulpit recently because our previous sermon series was on Acts. It was God's blueprint for his church and we talked a lot about fellowship because it is that important. So the early church, those guys, they got it right because they were following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And really what they did is they fellowshiped, true, truly fellowshiped with one another. I think one of the things we start with, it's kind of like a classroom process, but first thing we have to do is we have to define, well, what is fellowship? You know, what is it? And so we go to Acts, the second chapter, verse 42, where it's talking about this. And remember this in the context of the very early church that, we, that we're studying in Acts. And in uh, 2.42, it says, As the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, they devoted themselves to fellowship, they devoted themselves to sharing of meals, which also we know scripturally included the Lord's Supper, and they devoted themselves to prayer as well. So... You ask yourself a question, is fellowship the process of getting together? And the answer is yes, that's what makes it fellowship. It's hard to fellowship by yourself, but it is a process of getting together. We ask ourselves, is fellowship when you're getting together with like-minded people? And the answer is yes again, that becomes fellowship. Now, you ask yourself, well, what is the like-minded part of that? Well, the like-minded part, for all of us sitting in here, or for those of you perhaps are on your way to that, that, that like-mindedness is the fact that we share a common belief in Jesus Christ. That's what we hold in common. Then you might ask yourself, can the term fellowship be used 
for other activities other than sitting in here on Sunday morning together? And the answer is yes, because in the life of the church, there's all kinds of things that happen, and you're rubbing elbows with people, you're working with them, you're getting sweaty with them and learning with them. All those things become a part of fellowship. And it really means that fellowship, it's, it's you and I, and what we're doing is we're sharing with Jesus Christ in this process of fellowship. And we need to understand, of course, it's really not a, the fellowship we're talking about, it's not a social gathering, although we, we love the social part of this, it's not a social gathering, it's actually a spiritual gathering that makes this fellowship, this finding fellowship part play so well. So what we're doing today is, is we're going to ask four different questions. And Tom just, just covered the, the first question is, what is fellowship? So our second question that, that we want to ask this morning is, why is fellowship important? And also, why is it needed? And it's a good question because we read in, specifically in the book of Acts, but elsewhere in the New Testament, we see the church getting together. They are having that spiritual gathering as well as there's some social elements to it. They're doing that. That's great. But why is that needed? Why should I gather spiritually with other believers? And, and Tom mentioned this, that the word fellowship, when you look it up in the Greek, it means a partnership, but it also means to share in the lives of other believers, to share in the lives of other believers. Now, let me ask this at the risk of stepping on toes. If we were to come to church just to get the sermon and then cut out the door, you know, right after the sermon ends, are we, is there partnership in there? Is that that sharing with other believers? But I want to go back to the text. So we left off in, in verse 44, but I want to look at verse 44 uh, of Acts 2 again. This is Acts 2, 44 through 47. And I want you to see, understanding that when it's talking about fellowship, it is that sharing, that giving, and that taking. So Acts 2, 44 says, All of the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Now, when we look at this, we may be thinking, uh, okay, well, they're, they're asked to sell their possessions, which we're going to read in the next verse. Is that socialism or is that communism? Are they a bunch of hippies, you know, living on a commune somewhere? It's not those things because they were not ordered by someone to do it. They felt compelled. They were led to in their spirit from the Holy Spirit to share that partnership, that fellowship. So verse 44, again, all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and, underline this part, shared the money with those in need. But watch what else they did. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now again, that word fellowship means to share. There's a give, there's a take. We see the book of Acts as our blueprint for what it is that, that they did, but also what we can do. Monkey see, monkey do. What they're doing in here, we can do that in our lives. They shared in all things, meals, money, also the joy and the oneness of Christ, that true fellowship. 
So what does this look like today? Again, we talked about the Greek word for, for fellowship. It's about sharing with one another, sharing one another's burdens, offering spiritual wisdom, discipling one another to get help, but also, here's the catch, to give help, to offer that spiritual wisdom to someone else. If you guys remember the, the song by Bill Withers, Lean on Me. Lean on me. Oh, no, no, no. I thought, wow. when you, I thought you wrote that in my note. I thought I was supposed to sing that. You said time right I, It there. didn't come up in my notes. Oh, okay. It said, act surprised when you hear that, that quote-unquote joyful noise coming from this. No, I'm kidding. But Bill Withers, he wrote this line that, that will make sense in our heads as to what fellowship really is. It says, I just might have a problem that you'll understand. See, a couple of people are like, might have a problem. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what Need it is. somebody to lean on. You got it. Right. Take a bow. No, I, I can't do it. I dare you to curtsy. How about that? See, I couldn't get back up. <laughs> but you, you see what we're talking about. Fellowship is that sharing. It's that giving, but it's that taking. That's, what, that's why this is called freedom fellowship. There is a give and a take in there. So when we think about why is fellowship important, yes, it's important for us to get, but also it's important for us to give. Not to sound too much like JFK at his inaugural address, ask not what you can, what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Same concept here at church. This is not a sit and get type of church. Now what we do is we have a uh, really good video of a really good guy who is talking about Celebrity, I think. Let's see it. Let's see it. Celebrity. We're, we just replaced that projector yesterday. So. Oh, you froze up? Uh, oh. Is it? Probably. <laughs> That's okay. I can scoot right uh, Can you lead us in the second chorus of Lean On Me <laughs> while, while we're waiting? Bad thing about songs, I like know like one or two lines of them, but then, yeah. I, then I kind of get lost. And I but you can kind of hum. Sing them over and over again, yeah. yeah. So but, I what, do, but I do like that song. Yeah, it's, it's a good one. So why don't we, uh, for the sake of time, why don't we uh, come back to Josh's video? Sure. Yeah, no offense, Josh. So um, We like you. But here's we the like third you. question when we're talking about fellowship. This is a question. So how does fellowship lead to spiritual freedom? How does fellowship lead to spiritual freedom? Now remember what we're talking about, we're talking about from scars to freedom. Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to say, you know, we need to, we need to minimize our scars. We're not going to get rid of all of them. Some of them had consequences. But the reality is we can become more free and more free in Christ, you know, as we develop these, these, these type of things in our lives. So the question again is, how does, free, how does uh, fellowship lead to spiritual freedom? So what I've done, I've, I've kind of ticked off a, a couple of things here that I think are, are important things, at least as I thought and prayed through this. First one is, there, there is about perception. So see, there's a perception for the non-church-going people, okay? We're the church-going people, you're here. But for the non-church-going people, there's this perception that those people that are church-goers, they should be living basically a perfect life. They should have it all together. You know, they shouldn't really experience any problems because they serve this mighty God. Now, of course, you and I know that that's not how it works. We're the ones sitting in here. We know what our lives are like as believers. 
But we know that what's happened is that in life, we've had our share of bumps and bruises. It's, just, it's a case that, uh, that, and I've used this word a lot because it's the most descriptive thing I can think of, but in life, most of us have done a lot of dumb stuff, okay? I'm the chief of the sinners. I've done a lot of dumb stuff. So there's that perception, though, from the outside looking in, that if you're a churchgoer, you should really have it all together. Now, the second thing is that even Christians often feel like that when they attend church and they look around the church, sometimes you look around the church and you see these different people and you know them, but, but in your mind you're thinking, oh, they've got their life all together. You know, they, they, they seem so squared away in what they're doing. You know, that seems like they, they evidently don't have any real issues or problems uh, because when we see that in the sanctuary, that's sometimes what it looks like. But the reality is when we start to experience this spiritual freedom in fellowship, we realize that the people sitting in here are just like me. Okay? Now, I, ha I have the privilege of knowing a lot of you, and frankly, I know a lot about a lot of you. And the reality is I can, I can testify that, uh, that many of you in here, as well as me, have done your share of dumb stuff. And so it's important that we realize when you walk in this sanctuary and you're, you're, you're trying to learn how to find more and more freedom, it's important for us to understand that these people, they're just like me. They've got dumb stuff. They have a past. They've made mistakes. They've made errors in their life. So how, how are... You know, how do you cope with that? Well, you cope with it because every single person in here is a sinner who needs a Savior. And when you start understanding that every single person is a sinner that needs a Savior, then you start to understand what real freedom starts to be in your life. And we start to find freedom in our personal life and our fellowship. You know, God has a different grading system than you might find in public schools. Because what he does is God doesn't grade on the curve. He grades on the pass-fail method, if you know what that is. Now, what, this is kind of how the pass-fail method works. If you deny Jesus as God's son, if you deny him as your personal savior, guess what? Fail. Now, the flip side of that is if you accept Jesus as your personal savior, and if you accept him as being, as being the son of God, that's a pass. So we're all sinners, but we operate in this pass-fail system. If you're in here as a believer... You're in the pass side of that equation. I don't talk about this lightly, but sometimes, you know, we're, we're our own worst critics. Gosh, we spend so much time sometimes beating ourselves up. But, you know, in the eyes of God, think who we are. We're the children of God. He calls us in Scripture, he calls us his beloved. That's a, that's a pretty intimate phrase. He calls us his beloved. It, it tells us in Scripture that we're saved and, and we're righteous, and righteous, you know, righteous sounds like somebody like a sin-free, that's Jesus only. But we become righteous because as we accept Jesus we, and, we're, and we're protected by the blood that's shed, then that's who we are. See, fellowship leads to several different things that I want to talk about too. Now, listen, when, when, when these things happen to us, in fellowship, then, then you really start to bond in the process of fellowship. So let me tell you a few things that need to happen as fellowship then becomes this freedom we're talking about. The first one is trust. 
See, you have to understand that when you come in here, or if you're watching online and you're typically here, you have to understand that this is your spiritual family. This is your family. This is a safe place. Now, knowing that, that uh, freedom in life, that one of the things is, is that if pe sometimes we kind of think, okay, I don't really want people to be involved in my life. I don't want them to know too much about me and kind of who I am and all that. But the reality is when you walk in here, if we have trust, then you realize that, that it's not a case that somebody wants to, to know about me. It's not a case where they feel like they have a need to know and maybe they're not going to protect that confidence. But they're interested because they care for you. They're going to pray for you. They're going to reach out to you. They're going to include you because guess what? You are their spiritual brother and sister. That's trust. Now let's talk about vulnerability just for a minute. So many of us go through life and we have all kinds of stuff bottled up in us. You know, it's just, if, if, if we were like a pressure cooker, we'd be waiting for the steam to pop off. But we go through life and we have all this stuff that's bottled up in us. This church family, this fellowship, should be a safe place for you. Now see, the whole idea is a lot of people, they see the church and they go through a tough time and they're resistant to the church. But see, the church, what we should do, I should be able to be seen as myself and who I am, warts and all. Because all of us, again, what have we done? We've done the dumb stuff. Now, if I know and I really, really care, you care about me and I care about you as a brother and sister in Christ, then... We should be able to be real. You know what I mean? We should be able to be real with each other. And not a repercussion that somebody's going to run out on the street and they're going to tell this story. But you're, you're going to, you can be vulnerable with them because you know that they love you. They care about you. They want the very best for you. So we've talked about trust. We've talked about vulnerability. Let's talk about this. It's, it's to play outside of your comfort zone. And some of you are saying, don't ask me to do that. Well... I tell you what, if you don't think you're supposed to play out of your comfort zone, go back and look, just open up some pages of scripture, I guarantee you, you're going to find a whole bunch of people who played out of their comfort zone. I won't take time to list them. Some of you know them. If you don't, you need to read and find out about them. But believe me, most of the people that God selected and picked out to do things, they were out of their comfort zone. That's right. So when we think about that, you know, we, we think... You know, I have, to, I have to be willing to do that. I have to be willing to step out in some areas. You know, one of the things that, that the elders do when we have somebody leave our fellowship, and, you know, we, that hurts us when that happens. But we, we understand that there's stuff like that going to happen. But one of the things we try to do is we try to, to do an exit interview. Okay, you know what that is, exit interview. They're leaving, you know. And so what we do is in a non-confrontational way, we try to ask them, you know, from a point of... Freedom Fellowship Church, what, what was it that we could have done better? How could we have improved things that might have made a difference in you or your family's life? And I'll tell you that the single most common answer to that question is, we never felt like we were connected. Now, some of the ladies in, the, in Karen's Bible study, they've been dealing with that this whole semester. And I think they would testify that that that's really true, that it's easy to not feel like you're connected. But it's important 
because when we looked at, at the single biggest issue that people would cite as a reason to go somewhere else, find a different fellowship, it was typically the most fact that I didn't find fellowship, I didn't find connection, I didn't ever feel like I kind of got accepted and fit in. So see, all of us need to be willing not only to invite people into the building, because we're pretty good at that, we, to invite people into the building, but we have to be willing to invite them into our lives. And see, that's a little step up, isn't it? But we have to be willing to do that. And see, it may not be a comfortable stretch, but we need to be able to stretch and reach out to others in order to help people get connected. Well, and, and I want to piggyback on one point that, that Tom make about vulnerability, specifically spiritual vulnerability. Nate and I, we, we recorded an entire podcast about this one subject, and that is essentially kind of spiritually letting your guard down and letting others in, exactly what Tom was talking about. So when we're talking about spiritual vulnerability, does that mean going up to somebody? I saw Brad Corbett out there in the lobby earlier. Do I run up to him and word vomit everything that is wrong in Justin's life to where he's like, okay, whoa, guy, way too much. No, that's not what we're talking about. But sometimes spiritual vulnerability is simply asking for prayer. You may have been praying or currently praying about a certain thing. Spiritual vulnerability is coming up to not myself, not the elders. It could be the person sitting next to you in your row right now saying, would you pray with me about this, this thing, whatever that thing is? That is putting your guard down, saying, I'm praying about this as a brother or sister in Christ. Can you come and pray alongside me with this, or with me alongside me? It's about laying down our pride from time to time, which we should do often, more often than, than we actually do, but it's about asking for prayers. It's also about this, and I know none of you are guilty right here, nobody online, about having a really, really good church face. You guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah. From 10 o'clock until 11 o'clock, 11.05 if I'm preaching, right? 11.05, 11.10, sorry. Uh, we are perfect people. Oh, man, we are perfect. Everything in our life is pristine. Got it together. Got it together. Yeah, yeah. until we get to that parking lot, until we're driving that way or that way. And we kind of take that church face off of, okay, nobody knows the stuff that I'm going through. I was able to get out of there without anybody asking me too many questions that kind of thing. We were really good about church faces. So why is fellowship important? It's taking that church face off, allowing for that spiritual vulnerability of things are not okay. But the people in this fellowship, in Christians in general, it may be a believer that works in the next cubicle next to you who goes to the church down the road. If they are a brother or sister in Christ, they see things through a different way. They don't understand things as the world understands them. We see things in a spiritual way. If Tom is struggling in a certain area, I don't say, well, boy, that'll take Tom down a peg or two. No, no, that is my brother in Christ. I want to go alongside of him and do what Peter talks about, esteem him higher than myself. 
So I come alongside him, lift him up prayerfully so that he's stronger. Because guess what? One of these days, it's going to be reversed. If I'm like, no, 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 everything's fine, Tom. Everything's fine. And he keeps poking and prodding. And finally, I'm like, okay, here's the problem. What is he going to do? He is going to pray. He is going to lift me up. That's what fellowship is. It is about sharing. I got off my notes a little bit. But it's also where true spiritual freedom lies. That's where freedom from scars, the scars allow us to keep our guard up at all times. Like a boxer, we keep it up at all times. Spiritual freedom allows us to drop those, which leads to true freedom. So I think, I think, I think we've got Josh's video. So let's, let's see what this looks like in actuality. So what fellowship means to me is, is more than just um, coming to church on Sunday or, or um, you know, something like that. It's, it's about having a relationship, having those people in your life that are your brothers and sisters in Christ, people that are going to help you on a day-to-day basis to, uh, to battle um, the spiritual warfare that we all encounter to, um, you know, to help us to, um, to look through, um, help us to see through the lens of the Bible, through God's Word, how we're supposed to, to live when maybe we're frustrated and, and can't see it um, because of that, you know, certain emotion we might be feeling. Um, I think that um, we need all the help we can get, I know I do, um, to uh, make it through the, the spiritual warfare that we do encounter on a day-to-day basis. Um, Freedom Fellowship has just always been there for me in my time of need, and, and uh, it is a family to me, and I've, uh, I've seen them do that for uh, countless people. and. Um, it just really is something that uh, means a lot to me and something I want to uh, be a part of. Uh, just um, just as, as, um, as you see the banners throughout the sanctuaries, uh, love God, love others, and serve both. And uh, that's something that I want to do uh, for the rest of the days of my life. That'll preach right there. That's well spoken. Yeah. Yep. Now, I want you to see, he, he hit on something that, that we didn't actually have in our, our notes, but we kind of danced around it a little bit, is spiritual warfare. And that is why it's important to have like-minded believers that you show vulnerability with, that you are out of your comfort zone with, and that you trust, spiritually you trust, because we are going to go to battle each and every day. That spiritual warfare, we are not meant to be that lone, what is it, the old the army of one? Remember their army? Your army. I'll go with you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not quick enough for a response, so we'll, we'll move on to that. So we, we have looked at three different questions. We've asked you uh, and asked ourselves three different questions so far. What is fellowship? We answered that. Why is fellowship important? We answered that. I think the, the last two are probably the, the most important is what does, uh, should have been paying attention, what yep. does fe- how does fellowship lead to true spiritual freedom? I do that more often than I would like to admit. How does it lead to true freedom, but also how do I do it? 
You may be thinking, duh, this is Freedom Fellowship. You come to church, right? That's a good start. We come to church. Now, are we expecting you to be here every single Sunday? Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Yes. If you are part of the body, yes. Are you realistically going to be here every single Sunday? No. Everybody has lives. Everybody has things come up. You get sick. You Whatever. But the thing about church is when you come, you don't come just to get. You come to give. We had an entire message about selflessly serving. How do I serve others? See, each and every one of us has been gifted by the Holy Spirit unique talents that we bring to the table. For some people, it's playing guitar. It's singing. For others, it may be rearranging the chairs. It may be, you know, doing the lights, putting together videos, you know, singing in the choir, singing, you know, helping the kids do the Christmas pageant, things like that. Each of us are unique. So ask yourself this question, what can I give to Freedom Fellowship? I think, uh, you know, if you just think about a lot of the activities of things that are here, um, you you think, we think about... um, small groups there are a lot of offerings to small groups need to need to be more but we have a, a lot of different ones ladies uh, got sunday morning the things that go on inside the home uh, we find that people different ways you know the the way we have we have so many ways to communicate used to you know dial a phone they didn't answer you don't talk to them now there's a lot of different ways to communicate and lift people up and to encourage them and and to be uh, part of that and then you had some issues like things like just inviting people to do things. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a lot, putting yourself out there. If you, you think about that in, in job search terms or, you know, something like that, you can't be headhunted if people don't know you're out there kind of thing. So what you do is you put yourself out there. So what does that look like spiritually? You go up to somebody that you maybe have seen. I think I know who they are. Go up, introduce yourself. Guess what? We're a small enough congregation. Be like, oh, Clarice Barchinger. Okay, yeah, I know who you are. I saw you guys did the Advent stuff today. Small talk, and, and that kind of starts the ball rolling. But it's, it's allowing yourself to get beyond where we're comfortable because we're comfortable just with our little group, whether it's our family, whether it's you know, the same people that we sit next to each and every Sunday. We're good in that little group, but get out of that, especially the people in this room, is it is so easy to go up and, and talk to people. And you may be thinking, well, I don't know what to say to Cynthia. I mean, she's, I see her. I don't know what to say to her. Ask her this question. What is the Lord doing in your life right now? You thought I was going to go with India, didn't you? Yeah. No. Ask her. Ask Jesse. Ask Jessica. What's the Lord doing in your life right now? How's that for an icebreaker? And guess what? We talked about that word vomit. Boop. There it's going to come. We had a that Texas, was the grossest yeah, sound ever. I just preacher. realized that. When we lived in Texas, we had a preacher that way. You'd be in a grocery store, you know, picking up a loaf of bread, and he'd walk up to you, hey, Brother Tom, what's going on? And, you know, I, he was always brother and sister to him. I thought, yeah. that's pretty cool. And he, so he, but he would always ask you this. He'd ask you this question, going beyond what you said. He, what has the Lord done in your life this week? Mm. And then you kind of go, oh, you know, really, he really made you think back to your point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's a, a good, we, we call it an icebreaker, but it's not really that. It's, it's I want to hear, I really want to hear what the Lord is doing in Tom's life. There, there is a genuine 
ness, genuineness-ity? Genuine, uh, it's a uh, real. I took the long way, Tom just took the shortcut right there, I like that. But the, the, gen, being genuine. I like it, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Being genuine with one another, that's what fellowship is about. Again, that vulnerability, but also being, I honestly care what the Lord is, is doing in your life. Well, there's a lot of different ways um, to do that. And, and to, to an extent, you have to seek out really what works for you. And, and, and you know, where you f- feel like, okay, this is a place that I can contribute the important thing, I think, is when we do those things and we kind of work out our own way is making sure that what we do does align with God's Word. Let me share one story as we close. It's, uh, I'll try to be brief, and then I'll let you close this with prayer. But, okay. So I'm a 15-year-old, and uh, high school kids uh, pay attention to this. You don't want this to happen to you. But I'm 15 years old, and I come home with my grade card. I had geometry, Mr. Smith. He was a great teacher, by the way, great teacher. And I came home with uh, my grade card, and guess what? I had a D in geometry. So I'm thinking, okay, well, how am I going to play this? Because I knew my mom was not going to be happy. And so I thought, okay, I'll kind of wait. And so I waited till the end of the week. I gave her my grade card. I'm thinking, okay, maybe get caught up in all the other stuff, and it won't be too bad. So I gave her my grade card, and she looked, and she saw that D. And she didn't really react. It's like Friday night. She didn't really react. So Saturday morning, uh, I got up, rolled out of bed, and I went in the kitchen. She said, uh, call Mr. Smith. Remember, he's a teacher. And I said, why would I want to do that? And she said, because we're going over there. I said, okay, so this is Saturday morning, and you want me to call the teacher, and what do you want me to say? Ask him if he's home, because we're going over there. And I understand my mom wasn't the one that was going to plead the student side in this situation, I guarantee you. So I called Mr. Smith, and I said, is there any chance you're home? He said, yeah, I'm home. Come on over. So, oh boy. So I go over with my mother, and we're sitting in Mr. Smith's living room at his house. And so she said, well, uh, and Truman, she knew the guy, and she said, Truman, the reason we came over here is uh, I noticed Tom got a D, and we're over here so he can find out what he needs to do better to not get a D next time. I'm, I'm about to melt through the floor, you know. Mm-hmm. And, he, and this is what he said. He said, you know, uh, Eula, my mom, he said, Eula, Tom is very capable, but he does not apply himself. And so, you know, we cordially left and had a little discussion in the car on the way home about applying myself. But, you know, the reality, here's the story, and by, I didn't get a D next time. But here's the story that, that the application to that. Because we can know about all this stuff. We can talk about all this stuff. We can talk about these four steps. But if the reality is if, if you and I don't apply ourselves to become more free, freedom will always stay at arm's length. And that's not what we want. That's not what I want for you. I don't want that for anybody here. I don't want it for me. I want the, the, the places, the, the missteps, the places we made poor choices, whatever those things are, those scars that are there, I want those to, to give way to real freedom in Christ. And it occurs when we make the conscious decision, I'm going to apply myself. I'm, I'm, 
I'm going to do that. I'm, that's going to happen in my life. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that went forth today. Thank you for Acts, specifically chapter 2, being our blueprint, not just as a church, but also as Christians, that we can look and see exactly what it is that they did and for us to model that. Father, this week, we ask that you help each and every one of us. Help us when it comes to fellowship. Help us with your spirit to allow us to trust others, to become vulnerable with other believers. But Father, to do all of this for your glory. We don't do fellowship just for fellowship's sake because we're supposed to. We do it because we ought to. And Lord, we just ask that you help get us out of our comfort zone. Help us stretch just a little bit further to where we can trust that it is you who is leading us, not ourselves. And Father, that we can esteem each other higher than ourselves, to have an authenticity about us, maybe that we haven't had before, but to truly see one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, fighting the same types of battles that we all are. Lord, help us to do that. Because when we are spiritually strong, the person next to us may be in need and spiritually weak at that point. But we know that those roles will be reversed at some point. And Father, we want to extend fellowship to others just like we want it extended to us. Again, Father, all of this is for your glory. And I just ask that you help us to realize that and to truly step out of our comfort zone and to trust in you and to apply what it is that our text today was talking about. Father, we do this in Jesus' mighty name and we ask it and amen.